This is the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spee, Sean Forbes, sitting directly to my left, as I had to hold up my right and left hands to see which hand made an L. Sexy, sophisticated Sean Forbes. It's not quite taking off the jacket time to show her shoulders yet, so Monty... It's not happy hour. It's not Monty, happy hour time yet. Monty Bessler from Frackinator. You get the sophisticated Sean Forbes for this interview. And how are you doing, by the way? I'm doing great. You know, it's uh, it's fun to be here at the show in particular. Uh, it's old home week. I mean, I'm seeing people that I haven't seen for, well, at least two years, and sometimes much longer than that. But uh, I think it's... The industry's always been a handshake and a, you know, a verbal agreement type of industry, and particularly in the, the legacy groups that I came up with, that's what I see, a bias of that group here. I'm, there, I'm sure there's a large bunch of people sitting here Zooming the conferences and stuff, but the group, the people that I worked with and grew up, we still had to go out and shake somebody's hand and sign with ink on a, a line not digitally send our signature to them. So. Nap- yeah. Napkin deals. Yeah. Well, I love cocktail napkin deals. In the bar, deals. sitting at the best. bar, oh, sitting yeah, on the I, bar, I, drawing I diagrams. I jobs on <laughs> paper plates and napkins. So I do want to set the table a little bit here because uh, Monty Bessler is, is one of the, I don't know, he's, he's one of the, I don't know if you want to call the originals of the Bakken or what, but he has got so much clout and so much prestige here in the Bakken that he's coming from a filming of a documentary where you were interviewed yeah. about the players of the Bakken, the building of the Bakken. If you describe the documentary and how you got to be a part of that, and I didn't. Well, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the documentary, as I understand it, is going to be a history of North Dakota's oil business, and they wanted to interview people that they considered influential over the years. And, well, you just answered that question you know, for I, me. I, uh, I lucked out. You know, I got the, the was one of the long straws, I guess. <laughs> so what did you talk about then? Oh, well, you don't have to give us the whole right history, okay. you know, basically. But, you know, some of the things that I'd done in the Bakken and, and well, in the, in the Wilson Basin from day one, you know, uh, all the formations, all the things that people don't even talk about now. You know, it's, it's all Bakken or Three Forks, but there's 22 other producing intervals in the North Dakota. Things like that. Uh, yeah. They wanted to know where my nickname come from and different, all important stuff like that. And we'll get to the Frackinator nickname in just a second. I did want to preview very quickly that uh, Monty has been banned for life from LinkedIn. <laughs> and I wanted to start by explaining that he's got a very rich history in the industry, in the community, and in North Dakota. And for a gentleman like Monty to get banned from LinkedIn really perked up my attention because, listen, M- M- Monty, he-, he won't hold back at times. But at the same time, it's generally... Pretty with, spot on. Yeah, but it's, it's not ill intent. It's not ill intent by any means. And, and I can explain my relationship with Monty a little bit more in some interviews we've done over the past. But I know, Sean, you wanted to know the history behind Frackinator, so I'll just hand it off to you and then you can... We'll go from there. So uh, find out more about Frackinator, what you needed to know. I like the name. It <laughs> reminds me of the Terminator. So well, is there, is there uh, some relation to that? Somewhat. Uh, I was actually on a frack job in the van, and the topic come up is it does a number of times, like about nicknames. 
Well, on a frat crew, everybody has a nickname. Now, they don't always get that nickname spoken to them to their face, but everybody has a nickname. So they uh, they asked me what my nickname was. I don't know. I don't think I have one. They said, well, everybody has a nickname in the oil field, and you got to have a nickname. So they started throwing out words, and one of them threw out Frackinator, and I said, I like that. And then and it immediately came to my mind that I could reduce it to seven characters and put it on a license plate. So I did that, and I mean, it just caught on. Now I can go into a, whether it's a bar or a restaurant or wherever, and I, I get called Frackinator as often as I get called Monty anymore. Uh, I love that you got an eight in there, I, and I it's all because of the license thing. plate. Yeah. <laughs> Vanity plates well, is what shaped know, my company. In uh, in it's a North Dakota thing. You know, North Dakota like, leads a nation in the percentage of vanity plates. But <laughs> I was I was interviewed That's one time with awesome uh, <laughs> uh, by a French Explains film a crew come over here, and they were doing a documentary on the oil boom. And so when they got they interviewed me, and when I got done, I said, "I want to see." this clip when you're done I'd like I'd like to have it so they sent it to me of course it played in France so all the English was subtitles but the words were spoken in French so it's I'm reading down below and it says this is Monty Bessler he's the Frackinator <laughs> oh I like that a lot that's fancy <laughs> yeah Frackinator yeah <laughs> well let's get to the juicy part of the interview here what happened on LinkedIn now? You, uh, my understanding is you got banned for life, huh? Well, you know, they have made zero attempts to, to reach out to me or anything. I mean, you get, you get sent to Facebook jail for a day, and then they come to you, and they say, you know, if you behave, we'll let you back in. The next time you get sent to jail for two days. I woke up and tried to log on to LinkedIn, and they said, your account's restricted. And no message from them, no explanation or anything. And it took me about a week, actually, to even reach anybody. And I had to do some research, and I actually found another company that had been restricted, and they had to hire a lawyer, actually, to threaten them before they could get somebody to actually talk to them. And I sent an email. They got back to me and said, you know, well, you're restricted, and here's the reasons why. And it was a couple comments I'd made that were basically my opinions. They said, you don't have references for that. Of course, I wasn't sharp enough at the time. I said, well, where I'm at, people reference me. So why do I... I am the source, pal. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm so the one that said it. Yeah, it's I'm my the, opinion. I think I'd, 80% of the things people say on LinkedIn are opinions. Yeah, and I, so, I don't need to be validated by somebody else. Can, can I ask you, did, did you swear? No. Did you? No profanity? Well, not... You know, about the... The toughest thing I would do is, you know, get in somebody's face about, you know, what they'd call me. But I never use the same kind of, as you mentioned, I don't, I, I never got into, you know, mean-spirited stuff. My, my responses were always logical. I would paint them into a corner, and I love to do it. You're, yeah. Challenging. Uh, You're challenging people, yeah. right? Yeah. You, you don't mind challenging with some facts and some science and, and everything. So, no profanity. Not. Any threats to your yourself or someone else? No. In fact, the only threats that ever happened in any of them were to me. Okay. People threatening to have me canceled. They threatened to call my, my uh, human resources department and have me fired. LinkedIn I, did? 
somebody that was on people LinkedIn. commenting oh somebody on LinkedIn and I said okay. no you want their number because that's you because that's you yeah okay <laughs> hey Monty Bessler HR what can I do for you <laughs> yeah but that's interesting okay so you're getting attacked you're giving your opinion and you're the one who got banned yeah yeah. Do you, did, did they explain the specific post? Was it a body of work? or? Well, they, what they sent me were two posts. One was a month old. One was three months old. And why a three-month-old post would suddenly get me canceled in the middle of the night. It was with no warning. I mean, oh, in the middle of the night, too. The still yeah. of the night. Yeah, I mean, I wake up in the morning. I was on it, you know, maybe 10 o'clock that night. Woke up in the morning. And I've, and I've never been allowed back. They, they said you can appeal it. I said, well, that's my. Those were just my opinions, and I think one of them was about global warming, and another one was possibly about campaign stuff that was going on last summer. But they're just my opinions. They weren't, and and I needed to have references if I was going to do that. Well, so did they not follow their normal protocol of? giving you a warning, slapping you on the hand. They just basically said, you're done? They never even said, you're done. They said, I, I got a, a, every time I tried to log on, it'd say, your account's restricted. And with no, 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 well, you can contact us at this email address or this, you know, this link or nothing. That's it. I mean, just cold turkey. And... Uh, For some people in oil and gas, because LinkedIn is an extremely high-volume oil and gas audience, okay, versus the other social media platforms, that would help kill somebody's business. Yeah, if if I had to rely on it solely myself, fortunately, as you mentioned, I mean, I'm well-known enough that I get a lot of work anyway. In fact, more than I can generally do, but... It, it was difficult because I used it a lot for, you know, somebody want a resume of my, of my organization and my papers that I've co-authored or wrote. I had all of that in there, so it was easy to say, we'll just go to my LinkedIn site. Um, do, do you think it was the climate change one, or do you think it was the Trump political one? Well, the timing probably fits the Trump thing more than anything because um, I've been commenting about climate change for years. What did you say? Well, just, you know, like, I would say things like, uh, I'm, a ge- I'm in geology, I'm a geological engineer. My study is global climate change, set in stone. I mean, people say that these things have never happened before. And I said, I have geologic evidence that's not true. You know, it, it's happened multiple times in our history. And it's, like I said, literally set in stone. Right. It's the study of pressure and time. Yeah. And how much time of data do you have, historically speaking? millions of years. Right. You got got data that's been recorded in the last hundred years. You know, if you start looking at comparing data on those kind of scales, you you go back even 50 or 100 years and the accuracy and the the coverage is a fraction of what it is today so it's difficult to even compare that far back but it's still there and you know they they compare on a monthly basis for climate which is going to be thousands and thousands of years basis but you know you have a storm uh, a cold winter that's suddenly global climate change and that's just weather so if 
the political one, I imagine, probably had to do with Trump and Biden. Yeah. Okay. And, and is that, are those the only two names that you probably mentioned? In fact, I'm trying to think uh, if the if it was prior to the conventions, there might have been a couple, you know, other candidates. Okay, but but it, but it was people on yeah, stage. Yeah. You, you didn't you yeah. didn't go after their wife. You didn't no. go after their daughter. You didn't go after their kids. Nothing. No. Okay. No. On the climate change one, did you mention Greta Thunberg or Greenpeace or anything like that? The only time I brought Greta Thunberg up, basically by name, was in regard to the fact that she's she shares a trait with a son I have and that she's autistic and I felt like she was being misused abused in a sense uh, as a basically a mascot a symbol gimmick mascot yeah and uh, not not necessarily even aware that it was happening to her because she's autistic and we should mention that's one of the reasons why Amani and I got together was through Able House is the yeah, name of yeah. it, right? Able? Well, Able Inc. Yeah. Able Inc. Yeah. And they, uh, for severe handicapped children that yeah. can kind of be on their own but yeah. still need some yeah. care. All the way up to 24-hour supervision. Yes. And and they do good work for the oil and gas industry. Yeah. And so that's how Monty and I became acquainted with each other. And then, of course, every year at the Bach and Barbecue. And one year you brought your son by. Yeah. That was a good time. Got to meet him. And so I thought of that often with Greta Thunberg because I've said for years on this program I believe she's being used it's a gimmick it's a marketing thing and I believe America is going to have one too somebody some mother or father is going to think their child is the next Aaron Brockovich of Greta Thunberg's and that's going to it's going to happen I believe it and so I think what you're talking about is a very important discussion which is here's a gentleman who's raised a child with autism who yep. can understand what that is all about yeah. so you are very qualified to speak on this i am not yeah. I, I, <laughs> you know it, it it's something i can't imagine in my wildest dreams ever doing to my son i, I he's using him as I a can't tool imagine as a parent allowing it and then or or somebody that she trusts allowing you know doing that to her and uh, and using her in that way yeah. are you working these days are you a con- are you consulting yes. what do you do I'm a primarily a hydraulic fracturing design and uh, supervision consultant but I do all basically cradle to grave of an oil well if need be but today the, the my business has been primarily completions that include hydraulic fracturing and multiple stages. In fact, I'm literally here taking a break from a job hmm. because I was down in Wyoming working on a horizontal well and uh, they graciously allowed me to come up here for this conference. So, I'm glad they did. You know, um, it's, have, uh, you, have you... You've walked around the show now. Oh, it's been uh, about a day and a half now. Yeah. I, uh, well, my favorite place is the exhibits because, yeah. you know, the, some of the... I'm a real technical person, actually. You know, and, yeah. But I've found that over the last few years that technical papers, just due to legal issues and confidentiality, very little actually gets told that I can use in a talk because mm-hmm. they have to keep it at such a low level of 
uh, trade secrets and that sort of thing. Proprietary. So, yeah. So what I do is if I have an interest in a product, I find that company if they happen to be here and I find somebody that I can talk to. Yeah. And I do that down here. Yeah. And I, I've been in the business long enough that I can usually find somebody. What is something interesting uh, or a company that you found? Well, one of them, uh, it, it's interesting to me in a number of ways, but it's Credence as a, a new product. And mm. it, it hits on several levels, but I know the family. Mm. I, they're from Williston, the Blacks. Uh, so I've worked with them uh, over the years. Um, the uh, chemistry that's involved is some stuff that I've, I mean, I haven't used that chemical, but I'm familiar with that technology. And so I can ask questions that a lot of people wouldn't know to ask even about how it could af affect use in, say, the Bakken or, or other formations. So, you know, I did talk to the, uh, the manufacturer as well as to uh, Kevin Black. And I mean, I checked all the boxes. It's a pretty impressive chemistry. And I'd you know, love to get a chance sometime to help him out with it and maybe actually put it to work. Well, he'll be here tomorrow if you want to come by and say hello. Yeah, yeah. I think they're scheduled I'll, for an, an I'll interview. I'll give you his time. Yeah, you can come by and happen to bump into him. Yeah. We just introduced uh, Ken Hall with uh, Continental Resources. So, you know, Crude Life likes to connect people to you. Yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. so I did want to ask you, uh, did you get a chance to listen to Governor Doug Burgum today? No, I didn't. Did you hear about his big announcement? No. Well, good. Ooh, this is juicy. Here. We're going to get Monty's original breaking news. reaction. That's the breaking news, Monty's yeah. original reaction. So Governor Burgum spoke today, and uh, the forum's already put out a story in the news and everything like that. So if you go to your phone, you'll find it really quick. Okay. He announced that North Dakota will not try, but they must be carbon neutral by 2030. Really? Your thoughts. <laughs> Here, carbon here's a loaded grenade. Go yeah. nuts. <laughs> carbon neutral. Really. By 2030, that's nine 2030, years. That's nine years yep. from now. Yep. Um, the governor just I said I would love that. to know beyond that how he thinks we, we would even begin to achieve that. It's uh, not with the industrial forest. He won't meet yeah, with us on that. No. No, he's, um, they won't meet with us. If you're talking about funky, um, funny money like carbon credits and stuff like that I mean all we're really doing is transferring the problem if it's really a problem to somebody else and you're not really doing anything the problem I see with all of that stuff is if we're if we're doing it here in the United States which we're already leading the world in that area we have cut carbon more than any other country in the world without for instance even being a member of the treaties and but if we're forced to do it, we're going to ruin our economies and we're going to just transfer it to third world countries who don't give a damn. The cost of energy is going to go up and yeah, that right. doesn't only translate to gasoline prices, but everyday products that yeah. petroleum is made well, from. So think about medical devices, the cost of that's going to go up, yeah, wait. interior paint, everything that has petroleum products in it. But it's already started. It's a domino effect. It's already right? started. Lumber's yeah. up three, four times the price. Yeah, Stainless steel's wait up. the doctor starts hooking up to your arm with glass tubing because you can't use plastic anymore. 
you know, right? where, where you look up there and you don't have a disposable plasma bottle. You got a glass recyclable bottle that has to be autoclaved every time to make sure you don't inherit the disease from the guy whose blood was in there before. You know? Right, you got to make sure that's very sterilized. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, look, look at look at how much people fr- freaked out on COVID. Yeah. Okay, with the micro yeah. viruses, right? So, are you just going to reuse a sterilizing needle? Yeah. Is that what you're going to uh, a vaccine needle? You're going to what? Run it through like the dishwasher at at Hardee's yeah. or what? I mean, that's that's the steps back that people don't think about. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about where you wash the dishes, where you close them down, yeah, and they the, just the school cafeteria totally. with the big steam steam just, engine. How else would you sterilize well, these needles my, to be my, reused on people? One of my favorites is, you know, like green energy, like ethanol. Uh, and it's popular in this area because you use corn and you're in the ag business or you're using soybeans and you're using oil, uh, biodiesel. Biodiesel doesn't work real well in North Dakota. It's cold. Anywhere you get this cold, it's got real issues for about half the year. Uh, ethanol... When you really dig into that, and the EERC has even done this, if you find out that to make a gallon of ethanol, it takes about a gallon and a half equivalent of gasoline energy to make that gallon of ethanol. And then when you burn that gallon of ethanol, you only get three quarters of a gallon of gasoline energy back out of it. So in order to break ourselves of our, our uh, link to fossil energy, we'll just have to double the amount we use. Right. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, that's Nothing all. Big. And then cover uh, Connecticut with solar panels. Yeah, it'll yeah. all be good. Put right. put some more wind towers. I just seen this morning that they're they okayed an offshore wind farm off of the Kennedys there that they didn't like here ten years ago. And you know, one of the most sobering interviews I've had was with Mike Renfrow. He worked in oil and gas for twenty nine years. Okay, blue boat subsea. I got to be very phonetically articulate with that because otherwise it sounds like blue boat subsidy. (laughs) So subsea, right? COVID hits. 100% oil and gas business for 29 years. Sending out the, you know, the RFPs and RFQs and all that other stuff, right? Trying to get the business. Well, his business partner says maybe we should start doing some requests for wind business, see what happens. Mm -hmm. Same amount. Nothing changed with the oil and gas requests for business. They added wind, okay? One year later, 80% wind energy business, 20% oil and gas, and that 20% is decommissioning pipelines in the ocean because he does offshore uh, stuff, offshore rigs. So now they're doing offshore wind turbines. That's scary part number one. Scary part number two he brought up. Sobering, sorry, sobering part. All but one of those companies on the eastern shoreboard are European. Yeah. One is American. I believe Dominion is the only one. The rest are European companies. So as he was saying, this is a bigger problem than I think the average person is grasping. You know, and this guy's worked in the industry 29 years, so he's, he's being more of a wisdom guy than he is sitting at the end of the bar bitching over, you know, beers. Mm-hmm. No, he's prophesizing. Well, you know, you look at carbon, for instance, makes up like six zeros, one three uh, percentage of the Earth's crust. That's where coal and a lot of it's tied up in rocks we can't use anyway to burn, but that's a percentage of it makes. And we have people that are upset because we're basically mountaintop removing in the Appalachians to get at that coal. 
and it makes up that percentage of thousands of a percent. Well, now you're talking about solar panels, super magnets, different things you need for wind power. Now you're looking at metals that exist with 13 zeros before them. And guess where they are? China. China controls 80% of that market right now. And we're killing ours. We're actually, shutting it down. It's actually a little bit higher because yeah. they, uh, they found out that China controls 95% of the rights to those minerals. So yeah. not only do they have well, yeah, what is that, 80% in, in there, but they, they got Africa. And, they got all the rights too now. Yeah, so they've been... They've been, they've been busy. Up. They've been tying it all up. <laughs> and so now, you know, even if, say, they did want to share that with the rest of the world freely, you're not talking about mountaintop removal to get access to all those things to replace carbon energy completely. You're talking mountain range removal. I mean, you're literally mining whole mountain ranges away. And that's way more devastating. Yeah. <laughs> in order to get the energy that we're in place. And I'm not against these other energy forms. Absolutely. I want them to be profitable on their own. Right. Because if, if they don't carry their own weight, nobody does research. You want to look at the best way to kill research on anything is government subsidize it to where the status quo works enough to make them money. Why would they spend more money on research when they can get filthy rich on a government subsidy without changing a thing? So if you want innovation, you want change, you've got to have private money in it. You've got to have entrepreneurs. You've got to have people that are looking to risk. Right, it not, not a, leaning on the government. Yeah, it can't be subsidies. a guaranteed thing because that, that just destroys innovation and research and all those things. I, that's what I see the government creating these like... I don't know what you want to call them, but there's like different steps or different phases you have to go through in order to get the money, right? Yeah. The government money. I've always been a fan of the smart, clever capitalists that are mm -hmm. going to go out and, and take that. But now they're wanting the smart, clever capitalists to go through them. Yeah. And that, that's a problem to me. And I do not like that because one of those stop gaps... They might just steal the idea and do it themselves with their own buddies. Yep. And it's happened. And it's already happened. So it's... Well, look what they're doing right now with the COVID vaccines. We got COVID vaccines, and now they're talking about uh, taking the patents and basically giving them away to other companies and other countries. Even though those corporations and entities did all the work to develop it. Well, we're getting into some interesting times, aren't we? Yeah. We really are. Well, hey, let's get back to LinkedIn for a second because, okay. you know, you're the only guy I've ever known personally to get banned for life from I'm out LinkedIn. in front of everybody. I've met Donald Trump, but I don't think he got banned for life, did no, he? Okay. Not from LinkedIn that okay. I know of. I've never met Alex Jones, but I know he's got banned multiple times from multiple different platforms. But uh, do you have any recourse at all? Can you go start a separate uh, site under no, a different I, uh, email address? I'm or? not a Donald Trump. I don't have you know billions of dollars sitting in the bank to go find an alternative. So it's one it, of the more. By the way, one of the more interesting parts that you brought up was that you mentioned to me yesterday when we were talking about this that you never did find out who owned LinkedIn. Yeah, they're like a, some secret cabal. Yeah, you, there was. <laughs> you know, normally you, you can contact you know. Well, you know who owns Facebook. You know who owns Twitter. But who actually is running, managing 
space, uh, LinkedIn is just seems like some kind of deep, dark secret. Oh, I think it's by design. Yeah. It's by and design. They just want to man- manage by power and not have to communicate with the... Yeah, and if they the people me, who are using their platform, they don't have. It's difficult, very difficult. Like I said, the the one organization basically got. I don't know if it was a lawyer firm or whatever started threatening people, and I don't know all the levels they had to go to, but it took them months to get recourse. I'm not, I'm not gonna have that kind of. It makes me wonder how many of these big companies are just some computer in a storeroom. Yeah. <laughs> There's just nobody actually working there. It's just some software on a computer. Yeah, some just algorithm. chunking it all out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I might have been talking back to an algorithm. For <laughs> That's all what I, I was wondering. Right. Siri. You were talking to Siri. Yeah. Yeah, Siri. <laughs> well, how about what's next for Monty, Messler, and Frackinator? You're in, you're in Wyoming right now. I'm doing some work down there on one of my main clients. Or they've, they've been... I'll probably got about... You know, looking two or three months of work there, okay. which is great. I mean, I, I'm getting to the point in my life where I don't need to work all the time. And so, you know, I can make enough money and do well enough in three, four months to pay for the whole year or so. Uh, Would but, you miss it? Would you miss it, though? Oh, Would yeah. It, I mean, I miss yeah. the people instantly. But I, I'm, I'm getting to that point in my life where it's more about trying to figure out what my legacy is going to be. How am I going to pass on all the things that I, knowledge I've accumulated over 40 some years working in North Dakota. You know, the thing about it is there's always been people working in North Dakota, but it was never a place that a lot of people wanted to live. Right. So they would send their engineers here, they'd spend two or three years and then they'd go somewhere else. I decided to stay here and over 40 years I've managed to be able to link all the different things that each one of those people just saw a segment of yeah together so i think working in north dakota should be part of the rotation like yeah. a rite of passage right well, like you're not a real well you know oil filled guy or gal unless you've worked in north dakota you, you certainly can't say you've worked cold weather until you've worked in north dakota our guys when i was in the 90s would go to alaska well and tell me how nice it was working up there because everything was inside. <laughs> in North Dakota, we were out on our truck standing in the, you know, 50 below zero wind chills. And, uh, you know, it's, we had a, I, I remember a job, we had some people come from the Beltford Sea with some special drill stem testing equipment. And they got out to the site and they said, well, where's the building? I said, what building? Well, the one where we put our tools together in. <laughs> There's no building. You can do it in the cab of your truck. Yeah. I bet then... that guy got made fun of. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, here oh, comes yeah. New York City, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I've um, I've worked in North Dakota and had materials delivered to the wrong area of our job site. And I've been out in only minus 10, blowing snow and... It's it's not easy, no. you know. I mean, I I almost fired that company because <laughs> they made me go out there and, and do it. But eventually, I was like, well, yeah, I, I'm just going to be in the truck, guys. I'll see you later. <laughs> it it makes for a different type of person. The workers in North Dakota, the ones that stay, they're a pretty hardy bunch. They're hard workers. They they're valued everywhere else they go. Right. You know, because of that, the work ethic in North Dakota. And I think it's a survival thing, too. You go back 100 years, if you couldn't 
work with the people around you, you didn't survive. Mm-hmm. If you couldn't get along with the people around, you couldn't depend on them. It was, it was a survival thing. So right. um, I think that's helped a lot. And in the fact that even, even today, we're seldom more than one or two generations away from an ag background, for instance, in this state for homegrown workers. And I, you know, I think that makes a difference. I mean, it just, it just, you know, you're, you're used to working 24/7 on a ranch or farm or whatever. So we had a gentleman on that he was a paper boy. Yeah, and that's what he he compared it to. You know, working every day is like working on a farm, living on a farm chores, man. It's just daily. It's just yeah. what we do yeah. up here in this part of the country. And I did want to ask you as we kind of wrap up here. As we were talking, I was trying to think of, over the last couple of years, the percentage of people that, when I asked them, how can somebody get in touch with you to give you some business? I'm not kidding you. At least 80 to 90% lead with LinkedIn. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. That's like the first thing they say, like, how dare I even ask? Yeah. What do you say now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I say, you can't get me on LinkedIn. I'm banned. (laughs) It's usually the first sentence. And then, you know, and I hand him a card or something. But fortunately, I have been around long enough that you can't walk 100 yards any direction hardly and not run into somebody that I know. Oh. With the name Frackinator. Yeah, so are you known more as Monty or Frackinator then? What, well, what do you get called more of? You know, my old friends, they still call me Monty, yeah. but um, it depends on the, uh, the place I'm at. The know? crowd. Yeah, if I'm in a bar, it's Frackinator. Okay. You know? <laughs> hey, Frackinator, come over here. Especially if it's a golf tur- charity golf tournament or something in the oil field. You know, it's... I used to tell people, my former life, I was a publisher, and our um, customers were newspapers. And so I traveled all over the country, and this was after the movie Fargo. So everybody remembered they met a guy from Fargo. <laughs> Nobody remembered my name. Everybody called me Fargo. Fargo. So that's why I thought Frackinator. I bet out of town or out of the state, people probably know you more as Frackinator well, than Monty. I just bought a commemorative firearm over here and and he said he, I handed him my card for the information and he said I've seen that license plate I've been driving behind that license plate and so that's I hear great. that a lot too that's good stuff well yeah. hey thanks for coming on sharing your story I, I'm sorry to hear about the discrimination and the rank prejudice that's going on because at the end of the day that's all it is it's just you're getting picked on yeah yeah and I'm sorry to hear that. I, you know, my revenge is I'm going to survive. That's Success a, is the best revenge. Yep. That's what I always say. So my mom told me. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thank you, Monty. Thank you. Frackinator, I mean. Because <laughs> I'm going to be me.